Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The challenge I had was I had a plan B. If this sport thing doesn't work out, I've got that and I can probably have a really good career. In terms of the lessons that it taught me, athletic, like the drive, the determination, the, the preparation, I had some early success. I didn't have the classic story that people have where it starts off and it's really difficult and you like grind through it and you get there. Like we started, we were rolling. Like we did we did pretty well from day one, to be honest. I had one employee who I hired where it, where it really didn't go well and it was the, the wrong person for the business. And I think it was partly on me because you basically worked with Stormzy and Adidas last year towards the end of last year. Yeah. Can you talk about that, like yeah. how that came about? You're not defined by where you, where you come from. Yeah. And I think that's a big message that I always yeah. want to tell people. Like, like you have to be able to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Like be comfortable with being uncomfortable. When you grow up in ends, you don't realise it when you're confident, but you have an audacity to do things that ordinarily most people wouldn't be willing to do. How are you doing, Toby? I'm amazing, man. Yeah, you good? Happy to be back in London. I know, I For know. a quick minute. <laughs> uh, wait, when's the last time you were in London? So where are we now? This is July. I was here in December for Christmas, and then I went to South America in January. Okay. And then just came back wow. for, like, end of May. So I've been here. My philosophy is, you know, I'll come to London, especially when it's warm and sunny, because summer in London is, like, the best yeah. place to be in the world. Like, July... Like June, July here is the best place you can be in the world. That's my philosophy. Yeah, man. Like I, I knew that you were coming down for 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 summer. How's um how's it been in in South America? I love it, man. Yeah. So well, last year I did six months there. So I was one month. Uh, each month I changed countries. So I was in, I think it was uh, January. I was in Costa Rica. Really? Which is like wow. yeah, try and try and remote work for the first time because well, I guess the the backstory is like. What happened was obviously pandemic in, in 2020. My, my brother was actually living in New York at the time. Yeah. And uh, it was just the worst place to be during, you know, lockdowns and even a little bit after that, to be fair. So he was like, you know what? Mexico City is not far away. It's cheaper. It's always sunny. Trying to learn Spanish, being a different sort of culture and, and kind of have that excitement of doing that. Yeah. So he did that. And I was like, you know what? I'm feeling a bit jealous, you know, like every time we were talking on the phone, the birds were singing in the background. He's just walking down the streets in Mexico City, just sounding like he's having the best time of his life. Like I never heard him so happy. So I was like, well, I want a bit of this action as well. So um, in January, I was only supposed to go for a month and then come back to London after that. Okay, only uh, supposed to just do yeah, that one month. One month. That was it. That was the aim. Bad. We did it. We split it in half. We did like a two week holiday and then two weeks just basically working uh, in Costa Rica. Um, so I did that with my brother and my family and I was like, you know what, 
I ain't leaving. My, my One of my best friends went to Colombia in February and he was like, Toby, so much fun here. You should come. You should have a good go. I was like, you know what? All right, fine. I'll, yeah. I'll try it out. I'll, I'll see if it's any good and just fell in love with it. So went to Colombia in February, then went to Mexico, Peru, all over the place. And uh, I was moving around so much. So this year I wanted to you know, focus more on the business and be a little bit more settled and go a little slower. Yeah. I've been saying that. I've still gone to Mexico, <laughs> Colombia and uh, Argentina. So, um, but it's good, man. It's a good vibe. It's a lot more relaxed there, relaxed culture. And obviously it's just fun, always interesting, right? You, yeah. you're, you've got your weekends and your evenings and you're just in a completely new place doing things like salsa dancing. Like, why, why would you ever be doing that in, in London? <laughs> do you know what I mean? But you're like, well, let's embrace the culture. So yeah. Love it. Yeah, that's really crazy. And we're definitely going to delve back into, um, you know, why you moved there and what's life like out there. So for those that haven't listened to the podcast that we did two years ago, it's two been years, a long time. time uh, who is Toby? Yeah. So my name is Toby. I'm the founder of Diverse uh, and we help young black and ethnic minority students, grads and young professionals get into work with some of the top brands here in the UK. So we work with the likes of Warner Brothers, BT, Unidays. Uh, and we help, essentially, yeah, help black and, and ethnic minority young professionals get that first step in the corporate world and, and really start their careers and do it as a small team, a startup. And yeah, I absolutely love it, being an, an owner and, and having that flexibility and, and also having that impact and the purpose as well. So um, yeah, really enjoying it. And how is the how has the business been going? You've been doing it for th 2020, since 2020, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Three yeah, years, so. yeah. We started, yeah, during the pandemic with that frustration really of like, you know, lack of diversity in the corporate world, the impact of COVID as well. I remember just hearing all this noise about how COVID was going to impact young people in the yeah. UK, particularly black people in terms of long-term un unemployment. And that, that frustrated me. I wanted to do something about it. So that's that's why we launched. And yeah, we've been been rolling since then and, and growing since then. So started in 2020 and, and just, just sort of gone gone from there and, and obviously got new new brands, new partners and exciting projects. So yeah, keeping it rolling. Yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna definitely dive into that. Just to, you know, talk a little bit about your background. What area did you grow up mostly in? So I grew up in Telford, okay. West Midlands. Okay. Nice. Um yeah, about there, like not many people, if you're in London, everyone's like, where's that? So I usually <laughs> say like, not far from Birmingham, that's usually like yeah. the closest one or like Wolverhampton, not okay. far from Wolverhampton. So I grew up there um, and I was I was always big into sports. So I did athletics for like 11 years. I was Midlands 100 meter champion uh, wow. in like 2012. Yeah, so um, I did that for yeah 11 years and yeah represented England. Went to Loughborough Uni to do that, take it more serious. Um, did economics at, at Loughborough Uni, and then uh, obviously got into to work and business from there. And Telford's not the most diverse place, mm -hmm. so you know I faced a fair bit of racism growing up and had things happen, you know, in school and you know, in in, in like yeah, nights out things like that. And I think that probably gave me a little bit of a an edge to be like you know what this is the thing i want to tackle so okay. yeah that's that was my upbringing my dad's dad's nigerian mom's english um so yeah mixed race sort of household and mm. then um and yeah i spent a lot of time obviously traveling back to nigeria and, and 
meeting the family there and, and, and coming back to the UK. Yeah, athletic career. What happened with that? You said you represent England. Why yeah, did yeah. you pursue that? Oh, I did. I mean, I did. So that's okay. why I went to Loughborough. Um, you know, Loughborough's the number one uni for sport in, in the UK and maybe Europe, to be fair. And you know what the challenge was? I mean, my, my aim, my ambition was to get to the Olympics. I wanted to be, okay. you know, represent Great Britain and, and go to the Olympics and win a win a gold medal right obviously um right, so that okay. was my, that was my aim but um obviously that's a that's a hard thing to do and so when i went to uni we had all of the best sprinters really mm. around the uk also wanted to go to loughborough yeah. and so we had we had some of the the best guys there and you just see the levels right and so for me part of the challenge i had was i had a plan b you know i wanted to i was also doing a degree in economics because yeah. i'm thinking all right if this sport thing doesn't work out i've got that and i can probably have a really good career it's an interesting topic, but, you know, that's uh, a negative in some ways as well, because the guys that really made it were going to like Loughborough College. They weren't necessarily con uh, concentrating that much yeah. in their studies, which obviously has a negative uh, side to that as well. But it meant that when you have no plan B, you're all in on that. That's how you that's really how you get there in that kind of arena. If you watch like the Conor McGregor documentary, for example, he's like, I'm doing this one thing. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, I don't care who's in my way. There is no plan B. I'm just going to do it until I figure it out. And I didn't have that. I had a plan B. And so that takes a little bit of the edge off, you know. And mm. so that's that's why I didn't make it, you know, because yeah, because people uh, put more into it, really, who, who really got there. Do you have regrets about that? Like that? you had a plan B because I'm on offensive it. I, I'm like, yeah, we're, we're listening to the winners of the people that had the plan A. What about the people mm. that lost and all they had was a plan A? Some of them are broke or homeless or yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, no. We don't shed a highlight. We don't, you know, highlight them either mm. to give it a kind of a fair kind of, you know, take really i'm happy with how it went to be honest yeah. I, I had a i did it for 11 years by the end of it i was like you know what i want to do some other things and yeah. just have a bit of fun so yeah you're right and also it's athletics as well so yeah. it's not like you're gonna get big money yeah. even if you do make it so definitely no regrets about that and and after that i played american football and got to play for great britain and like tra we traveled around europe played against other countries and things like that so just had a fun time doing that then i played basketball and I, you know probably wasn't going to be good enough to get to that that level in the 100 meters it's one of those things where you know it's such fine margins you know the, it's a combination of the natural ability you have and the training so i probably wasn't going to quite get there but in terms of the lessons that it taught me athletics like the drive the determination the preparation yeah. and all those things is i would say if i am going to be successful and if i'm successful now it's, it's because of that to be honest. really yeah. so you feel like that actually even though you didn't go down that route that helped a lot to get you to where you are now well yes if yeah. you look back i started when i was nine right so oh, think yeah, about this you start point, yeah. you start at nine you got three days a week you gotta be you gotta go to training and you do that year after year after year you gotta be careful what you eat you gotta be careful what substances you put in your body because you get you know drug tested at a certain point yeah like plan you gotta go and work out in the winter in the snow and so you build that like grit and determination with uh with that from so many years and obviously that's what like you know shapes your mindset when you get older right yeah. so i think that's one thing that yeah my, my parents are sort of clear on of like that helps so much because to be honest i was a bit of a mischievous at best kid were you <laughs> yeah when i was in, well in primary school in i think it was like year four 
I had a I had a chair in in the, in year four, and I was like pretending to shoot up the the class with it, and I was uh, I was being a bit of a menace, and the, the teacher <laughs> came back me. Yeah, I was I was playing like a Star Wars That's type bad. thing, okay. and uh, <laughs> the teacher was like going crazy at me, and I was like, you know what, I'm done with this. I threw the chair at her, hit her in the hip, probably slipped the disc or something. We didn't see her for a Ooh. while. And so, you know, I would do stuff like that. And my um, my parents would have to come in every week. Not even, even if I didn't do anything, they would come in every week. I was yeah. just a bit of a, you know, difficult difficult kid at primary school. And then I started doing athletics and then boom, all that all ended. Yeah, because I just had too much energy. I, I just needed to exercise. Yeah. I'm still like that now, to be honest, yeah, minus yeah. the chairs. Still I just need, that, need the exercise, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's crazy, like, what defines us and how it's able to to get us there if you like leverage I guess all the tools that you've learned about I guess um you know in the two years since we we spoke what's what's I guess changed with diverse since then I think for me I've learned so much right like you I think you when you start in business right you go down this entrepreneurial venture usually you do it because you've got a different perspective to everyone else you've got a strong point of view on something on how it can be done and you think you know that's different to everyone else right that's why you're 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 launching it right and so I had some early success I didn't have the classic story that people have where it starts off and it's really difficult and you like grind through it and you get there like we started we were rolling like we did we did pretty well from day one to be honest and so the slight downside of that is you think you're <laughs> you think you're the one you think you know you're it's just easy isn't it so um and then you you kind of get humbled as you go through the the journey i think and then you really go okay what don't i know you know what because that's the real danger in entrepreneurship you don't know what you don't know and um the more you obviously go out there and try it the more you more you learn and figure out so the last few years for me has just been learning so much. So, for example, this year I was on an accelerator for for like five months, okay. where you you get taught and uh, skills in sales, marketing, branding, all, all these all the sort of key components, team building, all that the key components yeah. you need to build a a startup, and you get matched up with mentors and. When I first got into this, I didn't know anyone that had uh, business, to be honest. I know no people that would be peers as well that I could talk to yeah. and, uh, you know, chop it up with. And so I just kind of did it mostly by myself. My, my brother was amazing. He, he'd worked in marketing for a while, so he could help me in a lot of ways. But I didn't have a mentor. And that those are the pieces that I've added in later. And I've yeah. gone, oh, right. Though that's what you need to know. So it's the unknowns that, that get you. And, and so in the last couple of years, it's really been upskilling and learning and being being really humble to learn to yeah. get better and then sort of applying it and and grinding it through like this year is a difficult year with with the uh with the economy definitely so yeah. it's all about you know some people say startups should be called stay ups because really that's what it's all about it's getting in and then like really surviving yeah. and thriving for a long period of time yeah so yeah that's what's been all about yeah 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 and in 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 the market as well right have you seen an impact to your business with um, from my side, from consultancy side, um, for us, uh, consultancy generally has struggled uh, this year because obviously clients are like, their budgets are like going down. So I guess, and that means like jobs are reducing. Do you see like an impact on, on your side from that or is it like not really having Definitely, definitely. I mean, we're in the world of uh, recruitment, right? Yeah. So the way we generate our revenue is employers that want to attract and engage with and support and hire more um underrepresented young talent that's like what we we do and so when headcounts are down then obviously there's less budget and also unfortunately what you see with dni 
um, is a big, big focus when something happens in the world. So like when George Floyd was killed, when we had the growth in the Black Lives Matter movement, when we had COVID even, because that, that led us to sort of pause and review things. There was more fo more of a focus on DE&I and bigger budgets. Then when, you know, the economy shrinks, that's one thing that gets cut and you see like DE&I, uh, people losing their jobs. Those have been a lot of the, the cuts this year in, in those areas. And so we take two steps forward and, and you know one step back and that kind of thing. But um, I think for us though, we've carved out a, a, a really strong niche and we've building up a really good brand, a really good point of difference. And okay. that's what it's about. So I don't really get too caught up in the ups and downs of the economy because what I've always thought is like long-term in business, like we want to be around for 10, 20, 50 mm. years. So there's going to be cycles in that time. Yeah. And um, if you're not able, in a lot of ways, it's a really good thing as well to to be in that scenario and then do well in a more difficult economic environment. Because then you know when it's going to go back up, you can really capitalize and you've like yeah. hardened your, your team. You've got a more resilient team to deal with it, um, to deal with that. And then when you get a good economic environment, that's when I think you really see the the growth and, and like, yeah, sort of moving forward in terms of the competitive landscape. Yeah. So, so yeah, definitely, definitely a challenging year in that sense with cost of living, obviously, and uh, that impacts so many things in terms of business. But um, you've just got to like embrace it and like grind through it, right? That's yeah. all you can do. I know that's, the, yeah, it's the craziest thing. Like, like you said, it's, everything's in, 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 in cycles. I love investing right now in mm. the stock market. It's all right. It's not, it's not the best, but I feel like this is the, this is the time where you build yourself. This is the time where you're like, okay, how can I innovate and like get opportunities, you know, from this and actually talking about opportunities. So you did, you basically worked with Storms in and Adidas last year, towards the end of last year, and it was to help um, young black people access career opportunities. Can you talk about that, like yeah. how that came about, what that was about, and I guess what you were hoping to achieve by working with them? Yeah, I mean, exciting one for me. So uh, got introduced to Adidas maybe first uh, few months of la launching the business. Really? Yeah, That's... just just to ha have a conversation, just. You know, uh, my best friend uh, was working there at a the time and, and introduced me to to uh, someone in talent acquisition there. And yeah, we, we were sort of having a conversation. I was seeing, oh, is there a way I could we could work together? But, you know, I'd only just got going. And, you know, mm. like I said before, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. There's a lot of things I didn't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we really focused on our niche, which is like really understanding Gen Z, creating engaging content, Having a, a brand that's unique and different, not like not corporate. We don't sound like a recruitment company. You know, I wanted to make diverse. I wanted to make it a brand that you could, you know, people would be proud to, um, you know, wear it or feel empowered by it. That's kind of what I wanted to develop. And when you do something like that, it just compounds over time. You know, every week, every month, the content, the, you know, the uh, the things we do, like helping people get roles and those like stories. And so Adidas and other brands have like seen that over time and thought, all right, yeah, this is this is us and them in particular. So Stormzy is obviously unapolog unapologetically passionate about helping young black people. Yeah in their lives to be fair so he's got you know his uh, partnership with penguin to to support uh black authors he's got his his cambridge scholarships as well so he's yeah. you know, paying for uh students to go through through cambridge so he do he's doing amazing work and he's also 
really passionate about football. He's a big Man United fan and uh, obviously have a, a strong relationship with, with Adidas. And yeah. so I'm not sure exactly how that conversation started, but the two of them came together and they say, well, you know, Stormzy, you're already doing these things in within the black community and wanted to have that impact. Also love football. Adidas, same thing. They have... Uh, you know, football communities, uh, you know, uh, projects that they do to, you know, use football for the power of, of good within uh, different communities in um, well, around the world. Um, and so they came together and say, well, Adidas, we've, we've got a network of all these organizations within football. Why can't we then use that to increase black representation? Because the problem we have in the UK is, on the pitch, we've we've got that representation. I think it's yeah. like fifty fifty, you know, in the in the Premier League, you know, or, or in, um, you know, with black players, right? So we've got that that uh, representation there for black people. But then, if you look at the boardroom, management. if you look at the management, Terrible. if you look even then at the corporate side, so you know, yeah. just roles in marketing or HR at these football clubs or football organisations, lacking there as well still. So. You can see you can see the synergy there. Adidas, well, you've got those relationships with Sky Sports, with Fulham, with Man United, with all these amazing brands, verses and and uh, Lad Bible. So they said, look, we'll bring those uh, together, and then Stormzy, you can use your influence to bring in young black passionate talent that is, you know, that don't know about these opportunities within football, um, and we can kind of bring them in. And then they said to us, well, diverse, you're experts in understanding young people from that demographic at this young age and what yeah. they need from a career standpoint, understanding them and then helping them get roles. So, you know, we were brought in to run this community so that the program is essentially this. It's for people that are uh, from black heritage backgrounds, yeah. 18 to 24, who want to work in football and are passionate about that. Uh, Stormzy essentially uses his influence to bring them in. And then we run a program where we support them in their careers. So we'll do online events, we'll share careers advice, and then recruit them into work placements with some of those amazing brands that I mentioned. So that's what we, we've just done. We just had the first wave of uh, guys that got hired. So we've, we had an event the other day at Old Trafford where really? um, oh, man. yeah we had one person from who's got hired at each of these companies yeah. so it was amazing to walk into to those rooms and just look around and seeing these young black people running in the you know yeah. social media versus or football care or yeah. doing so operations you actually helped to hire people exactly yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, so we've got crazy. like 15 young people working oh, across man. these businesses and uh, we're going to launch the next year of it from uh, the end of this year and okay. and uh, go again and go go bigger and better as well. So Mad. yeah, really can you do Arsenal, please? <laughs> Maybe. I'm we'll an Arsenal fan, so look, too, yeah, too. we need to represent. <laughs> me too, me too. <laughs> You're, yeah, you are Arsenal fan. I'm yeah, Arsenal come fan. on, there man, you've got to make it happen. Yeah, we'll see, you we'll see. you got to make it happen. <laughs> but that's it, that's it. It's all about, like I said, Stormzy's yeah. unapologetic about this. He doesn't yeah. care about the, you know, the, the excuses that mm. we've had in the industry for so long. He's like, no, 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 no. We need young black people in these in these roles to bec then become future mm. leaders, and that's exactly what we're going to do. So yeah. I'm here for it, and yeah, I'm love, here for love it the too. program. And, and you know, you have to you have to sometimes just force the issue. I think you know, and and he the way he does it is he does it in a very great way. It's not like in a uh, it's in a way that it's not. Um, it's soft. Let's mm. say it's in a like like how we're doing here, right? It's yeah. not you know. It's, and and I, and I like that. I think sometimes you you have to put your money behind your mouth. Not only just talk, but you actually yeah. you know do some action. Exactly, action. Well. All about action. All, right. All about action. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Okay, cool. So, so the plan is to continue doing this with Adidas throughout this year as 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 well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and make it. I mean, we've started had a really really good first year, but we obviously want to do do more. So yeah, make the program bigger and yeah. and kind of impact more lives. So that's the idea, and hopefully it's going to inspire other programs and opportunities as well. You know, we should be looking at how we can how we can replicate this model in other industries. Because what we're, the, one of the things we're doing quite that's quite unique here is this like community approach. Yeah. So we have them in like a private community, okay. um, like a close community where we can kind of like ring fence them and give them extra support. And then the great thing that happens as well is then they start helping each other as yeah. well. So rather than having this, because the problem that you have is there's a lot of young people there from underrepresented backgrounds who don't know anyone within the industries they're trying to get to or the companies they're trying to get to. They're not networking. They don't really have the knowledge of what these different roles are all about. And so the idea is let's help them get in and then they help each other as well. So yeah. you have this system where people get hired at all these different companies and they're helping the next younger person into it as well so that's that's what we're we're creating i love really. that you're and you're it's like a, a bit of a ripple effect right that you're that you're doing and it's a, it's a big community i remember the first time i spoke to you um about this stuff one of the things that you were very big on was community that mm. you were creating a community and i agree with you i feel like that's how you differentiate yourself not just the brand that you get it you understand you know what young people want and then you're able to then say yeah actually I, I actually understand it better than maybe like, I don't know, like some kind of recruiter just calling. I, I remember one time, right? Yeah, a few years <laughs> yeah. ago, right? This is my recruiter story. I had a recruiter call me and oh, I can't I can't tell you the very specifics, but the way he made me feel was he just made me feel like another number. Mm. Didn't really care what it, didn't really care what I wanted. It was just that are you like, you know, is this this does it doesn't have to be the job you're looking for but i just want to place you basically i was just another number mm -hmm. doesn't really care what what i'm after what my motivations are he just cares about his commission yeah. that's how i felt about it and i was like oh nah that's not you know that kind of stuff i think is going to die at some point you know i don't think i don't know if they can kind of um survive another thing i wanted to ask you was you know you've done great with that what other thing how else would you say that uh diverse has evolved over the last two years how so we evolved um the other thing is i guess well we've grown in terms of team bringing in uh new people who were you know had uh someone join on on monday who is um gonna be a star i mean she's a star now but yeah really really gonna help contribute to the team recruitment background and because this is the interesting thing right like as you said there's that kind of it's a it can be a not not well, it's right for disrupt disruption because that's yeah. how people get treated. So we thought we thought about the other way. We thought, no, 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 let's take a community approach where we bring them into this environment. We we work with them. Oh, you didn't get this job? Fine. Like, let's help you build more skills. Let's get the next one. Like, that's our approach. But I brought in uh, Aisha, her name is, uh, who's just joined recently. She has that recruitment background. So she's though still bringing in some of those skills, some of that expertise that they have because we want to compete. We want to be the best no matter what. We don't yeah. want to just be working with you because we've focused on diversity. We also want to just uh, have our talent is the best. And yeah. the way we're doing that is trying to mold them and help them become the uh, best. Smart. So um, yeah, bringing in team members like that. And what I think I've learned is, you know, because I think the first few years being a startup, you have to obviously hire and scale affordably. So we had, you know, younger talent come in, less experience. But now we've got to that point where we can afford people who 
have that more more experience in the industry and so that just levels up the whole quality of everything we do so that's yeah. that's exciting now the yeah. team building now how do you know when it's the time is right for you to be like okay yeah i can hire somebody else mm. now is there something that you is there some an amount you need to achieve is there a number of clients you need to get is it is it a number of people in your community that you think okay cool i can now get another person well i mean i'm quite risk averse so i don't like to have too many high costs right uh, so i'll okay. i'll um i'll probably and yeah, I'm just, like I said, I'm I'm humble in the sense I'm still learning. So I'll I'll grow gradually, and I'll yeah. I'll hire when I feel comfortable that we've got uh, enough revenue there, and it really makes sense. And the person's right as well because I'm not I'm not hiring someone who's not an A player. That we need A players. Yeah. So that's I'm not, I'm only hiring if I get an A player. But from I guess a more tactical standpoint, you look at profit margin. So you know if you want to have a really solid, you know, I think. I'm not sure what the average is. And obviously it depends on the type of business, but you might have an agency that makes 15% profit margin to sort of 20%. Um, so, you know, if you're able to, if you're looking at the team, okay, at two, two uh, people, I'm, um, you know, my profit margin is 30, 35%. You might say, well, actually that's a, that's a bit too much, right? If we're um, paying all those salaries, we're getting a healthy return at the end of the year. You know, we could probably afford to add another person in, bring that profit margin down to 20% in the short term and then we'll scale and grow because, you know, this new hire is going to help us, you know, increase our revenue. So yeah. that's kind of a profit margin is a good way to look at it and think about it. And uh, yeah, if you've got a lot of money that you're, you're sat in the bank account, it's a little bit like, you know, inflation, how you yeah. talk about it with investing, right? Yeah. You're not reinvesting that into your business. Yeah. And so, you know, and it is, it is about risk and how comfortable you are. Yeah. I do want to have a big nest egg before I bring in loads of people, to be honest, that's the way I oh. feel. But other people yeah. are, will be more more aggressive, more yeah. more aggressive. But that comes with experience as well. Yeah, right? that's interesting. But then again, you know, like a lot of businesses, imagine like a lot of the businesses in 2020 new COVID were coming, had huge amounts of debt. They would have probably been like, yeah, let's clear a lot of that yeah. out, right? Yeah, yeah. All the restaurants that closed down, hotels. I don't know if any airlines went bust. I can't remember if any airlines went bust. I know restaurants went bust for oh. sure, you know, and other businesses went bust. I mean, it didn't it hurt? Yeah, it hurts at one point. Really? They filed for bankruptcy. Yeah, I think they're fine now, but they oh. filed for bankruptcy. Yeah, nobody was <laughs> needed to yeah, rent yeah, cars. Exactly. Right? We yeah. locked down, so true, they're like, true. okay, zero revenue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like two, three months with all this, probably like a lot of debt mm -hmm. from like, I don't know, expanding or like buying um, a lot of cars. How big is your team now? So we've got, uh, we do work with a fair few contractors as okay, well cool. to support our growth. So in terms of like our core team, we've got, you know, three full time, yeah. but then we'll work with maybe an agency to do certain things or we'll bring in contractors and, and go from there. Yeah, I think there's a big opportunity as well with uh, like assistance now. So this industry of um, like remote workers has really escalated. So there's these platforms now where you can hire um, and we, we've not really done this yet, but you can hire um, talent in, say, South America or, you know, Africa, Nigeria, who can help, you know, as software developers or marketing or or as an assistant at a very affordable level, because obviously it's lower, lower um cost of living there and yeah. then you've got like fluctuations in uh currencies which yeah. means you know you can hire talent at a much more affordable level and then for them it's like really powerful for the money that you give them that they're living in so i think there's a big opportunity there with people having startups to run really like lean teams where you've used technology maybe some ai and then also have these like remote workers as well yeah. to help you build so i think that's quite exciting at the moment
Yeah, yeah, it's it 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 is, and and we're gonna talk about it soon. You're 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 basically a remote worker yourself. How how are you finding now that you've got a team of three, and then you're also you know working contractors? How are you finding, I guess, that management in mm. a way? Right now, you're kind of now a manager. You went from being by yourself, doing it yourself, to hiring people. To now having to like manage people. Yeah, well, it's, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. You, you know, you really want to hire A players because they're easier to manage, right? You need to hire people that are high character that you can trust that you can delegate to. Because I'm not a micromanager. I've learned my style is to you know let them run with it, and you know we'll we'll talk about the strategy and I'll support you, but I'm not going to be like in the weeds of your work and over your shoulder. So. But the only way to do that is to hire really good people. So it starts with the recruitment. And luckily, that's the expertise that we, we do have. Yeah. Um, there were some challenges definitely with management with remote remote workers. Because I think going to that, back to that point, if you hire people that are really young, just starting out in their career, they, I think it benefits them to be in the office and be around people in the yeah. start of their career. Because you just learn so much from like osmosis and being in these meetings and being next to your manager and things like that. So again, I think I've learned you, you want to hire at that like slightly more senior level. Then also you've got to be careful with remote work with time time zones, I think. So we had a, a period of time where one of my employees was in Asia and I was in South America and we just had such a small crossover. And then- uh, It's been tough. And, and But I, I wanted to do it in the beginning because I wanted to have a really flexible approach. And yeah. you know I wanted to have that as one of the big advantages that you have working, working with me um but it just made it too difficult practically so you just then need to tweak it and adjust from there so mm. those are some of the lessons I, I learned but uh it's all about hiring the best people and then yeah. trusting them to do their thing and then uh report back and adjust the strategy that i think that's what it's all about okay wow that's yeah that sounds it sounds like it sounds it definitely sounds tough i know management is not easy and i know it's something that you're for learning and I love that the fact that you said that you don't do micromanagement yeah, oh, man. I, I despise <laughs> micromanagement yeah I mean it does it does nobody any good right mm. you know I think you're better off instead of micromanagement somebody's like less experienced you're better off just saying to them okay um go and do this task let me see how you get on and then I'll come mm. over and try and guide you to yeah instead of okay do one two three four how do you learn like that you have to give somebody the the room to think about something. If they struggle, they come to you. Look, I'm struggling with this. What do you think? You know, and then you, you give somebody the confidence to grow. I feel like that's such. I feel like that's yeah, so much you, and you empower them, right? Like yeah. you, you've got to empower them. You got to incentivize them as well by either giving them equity in the business or percent of the okay. revenue or whatever. They need to feel. Or, you know, big bonuses if they make sales or increase the bottom line of the business. Like, people yeah. should be rewarded financially for, like, the work they put in as well. Yeah. That's a key point as well with management. Yeah. So, I want to ask you this, right? This is very, this is a very interesting point for me, right? Your business, did you put in a lot of money into it when you started? Because I'm, what I'm trying to picture mm. is, I know some businesses are very cost heavy. So, for example, like, we couldn't now start i couldn't start a car manufacturing company uh -huh. to yeah. rival tesla now nah. i'd have That'd to put billions idea. right elon he he was lucky because he was able to sell his stake in paypal mm. and he had the funds to then you know go and do that so yeah. that's a very high, high high cost um so i guess give us an insight you don't have to give us a, the 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 figure the exact figure but give us a bit of an insight into i guess how much it kind of cost and then mm how you then use that 
to I guess scale over the last like three three years. So I, I don't know if I mentioned this on the, the yeah last that's part. what I'm trying I, to remember. I, I don't know if I did, did yeah. but um I had it in my head when I was working uh at, at the com- my previous company. As soon as I make two thousand, I'm a quit. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> that like, low yeah, two thousand pounds. No, I make two thousand no, pounds. I'm no, quit. Because no, <laughs> you yeah. joking? Nah, I'm being serious. <laughs> but I mean, though, I'd already worked for a few years, so obviously I had a little bit in the in my. Like, personal account yeah. so i had a bit of a fallback but i was like if i make two grand while working full-time this is my logic then when i'm wor- when i'm full-time on my business then what am i going to do right i'm gonna I'm be able to 10x that or 28 is that or whatever because if i'm if i'm full-time bearing in mind this is like a couple hours in the morning you know a few hours in the evening so it's like if i make two grand i can do it. i can jump in and um that's exactly what i did like i made a couple grand quit my job and then went full time on it and went went at it from there. The advantage that I had, and well, the advantage is a smart move, is to take something that is low cost and it's something that people buy. Uh, you know, it's not. I didn't come up with a completely new uh, like concept here. It was like a, it's a job board, right? So that was the first way I make money. So companies pay, they put it on the job board, and then you you try to obviously promote it to the right people. That's the, the foundation of the business and why is that great well there's no marginal cost uh, marginal additional cost for adding more jobs so you have a price for the website you build or the software you pay for and then there's no extra costs so you can do you know there's no extra cost if you're doing 10 jobs versus 100 right as long as you've got the the network or the community to to fill those jobs uh and so i was able to start with a really low cost and again i'm I back myself. I got a lot of self-confidence in that I can build a successful business, but I'm risk averse as well. So I like to manage risk. I don't like to be, you know, I like to be, it to be controllable. So I wanted something that was lean and, and I could do it at a low cost and then I would scale from there. And so um, what I started doing more of is these like annual deals and doing more deeper partnerships with companies so that we could work with them to give more benefits to the candidates and then also make more more money up front and that allowed us to then reinvest as okay. well gives you more certainty over these fluctuating periods as well you know yeah yeah that's interesting yeah. that's interesting and when you first started you were you still living at home as well at that point i can't remember if you mentioned yeah that um previous podcast. when i first started it was yeah i mean we were in covid i was at yeah. home in covid yeah and then um yeah pretty much built it all up from there and then okay. obviously went traveling so we've never had like a set office that's good. we started during yeah. the pandemic yeah because it lowers your costs as well right like, of course yeah. like, like you're able yeah. to do something like that a big company's yeah. doing that now as well yeah. right like why do you need a big office because you just use co-working spaces and and that gives you an, a flexible office you can use so you can be in person and meet your team or you know go to events and things like that but yeah no point paying all year round for an office if you're a small team yeah i love stuff like that because it it shows you that you you don't have to make crazy amounts of money to or spend crazy amounts of money to make Mm. it big to make a very big business right and i think i was reading i was reading something the other day on i think it was yeah on instagram about people constantly trying to like reinvent and create like these like the next social media or something like that rather mm. than you know look at something that's already done maybe it's not too expensive and just do it better yeah than everybody else right i think it's so important to, and to i mean it's great, great to take big swings but for me i wanted to just get get a well i, I see this as a long-term thing but i'd want to get the first win in something that i just understand that yeah. way i didn't have to reinvent the wheel like you know the thing that makes sense to do is 
attack an area where that you think we well, have a, like i said a strong point of view on how you could uh, how it could be done differently and then think about how to monetize it in ways that are already being monetized now right so i think about what the easiest things to do is like you want to grow um one of the easiest businesses to start is where you're essentially like selling information. So what do you need to do? The, the hard part is distribution. So creating content and um, growing a, a network, growing a following. What you want to do then is get that into a, a newsletter or a closed space where you own the audience rather than having it on, you know, social media. Yeah. And then you can monetize with, you know, ads in a newsletter or ads on a podcast, or you can have a paid community, things like that. As long as you've got a niche and a speciality that you're focused on, and then you you scale from there. So there's there's three areas that you need to have. Well, well, three areas that you need to choose from where you have leverage. It could be um, it could be capital. So if you've got a lot of money to put in into the business, uh, if you've not got that, it can be um, uh, employees. So if you've got the ability to hire, you've got human leverage, and then the last two uh, are um, code. So if you've got the ability to make software, that that is um, able to do something unique that's different in the market. And then the last one is media. So if you can win with content, if you can win with media, then that's um, that's the other thing to focus on. So you've got to pick which one you, you go for there and and build from there. So that, that's how I like to think about it. Yeah. So like more straightforward and yeah, low cost and, and to try and scale from there. That's I love my, that, I love that, strategy. I love that. Do you think that you're going to have a second business or is this going to... Um, that's good. That's a good question. I mean, if you're an entrepreneur, it's, it's hard to... Uh, say no to that i suppose but the way i think about this is as i said long term i want this to be like a you know, family business almost yeah. and i think you can almost have businesses within that in a sense so i'm definitely excited about what we could do to help young um people from underrepresented backgrounds build businesses at some point as well yeah. and get into the startup startup game or, or side hustles or at least understand entrepreneurship so i don't see that being a separate business but it could weave into diverse potentially but uh i think you gotta be careful with focus mm. if you move your head and you see mm. like oh the shiny object over here and it turns your head that can impact your you know your main thing so i think you gotta be careful with that Completely, completely agree. What, you, what would you say has been like the biggest success for you with Diverse? I think the biggest success is just being able to help people. And again, I think that's why, that's what makes it even more low risk. Because if I fail now, like if the business just ended today, then it wasn't a failure because we've helped thousands of people in their careers and we've helped, you know, hundreds get hired, you know, each year. Um, and that's, that's amazing, right? Like that's, to me, that's, I've found my purpose, like being able to do that. And that makes me feel no matter what we've done that. And we can kind of say, look, this was success, success, even if we just got one person hired. So to do that and then meet people and then be happy with them, uh, going from A to B and finally getting in the, the career that they want, like that's the best thing. It's not about the deals or the money or the remote work's pretty cool as well, yeah. but <laughs> other people in their lives, their career, that's that, that's the coolest part for sure. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. What would you say has been the biggest challenges though in the last few years? Tell us some of your horror stories. Horror stories. <laughs> Was it all going good? I don't believe that. I know, I know, I know you're an introspective person, Toby. <laughs> horror, I don't know about horror. I mean, I had, I had uh, one employee who i hired where, where it really didn't go well and it was the the wrong person for the business and partly uh i think it was partly on me because what what i sort of had given them to do was uh 
was so difficult and that's hence the strategy of for certain for certain roles you want to use a variety of agencies and um and like contractors and things like that but yeah i had a, a difficult time with that employee and had to let him go had to fire someone for the first time and so i'd never yeah. had to do that before ever Ooh. and it was uncomfortable mm. and so i i listened to gary v obviously for forever like everyone in business has and one of his big things is you know hire fast fire fast which is you know you don't know it's it's hard to, even for recruiters it's hard to know if this person's going to be you know the right person for your business so you have to be aggressive and and give them the opportunity and hire but then if it goes wrong you do have to let them go um because if you don't it's going to hamper their career it's going to hamper the rest of your team and it's going to hamper your business as well so and the way that Gary V kind of gets around that obviously negative emotion is you know you pay them off really well you want to try and refer them for other jobs and like that offboarding experience needs to be amazing as well, but that was uncomfortable having to call up, call someone up, and and give them that horrible news, right? Mm. Um, after having given them opportunity, but that's business, so you gotta get yeah. used to difficult conversations because we 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 try to avoid difficult conversations. Yeah, you gotta get comfortable with it. Yeah, how did I guess did that did that sit with you for a while? Like having to. Did you do it straight away or did you give them a bit of time to like? Well, you have to, you have to put them on a, you know, performance plan. You have yeah, to give them wow. feedback and give them the opportunity to improve and, and develop and then solve the challenge. But um, if that doesn't happen, then you need to, you know, it gets to the point where you need to let them go. And as I said, uh, um, it can be the better things for them as well, because if they're not doing well in the role, it's potentially not the right role for them after if you give them a certain amount of time and the support then you're not doing them a favor but well you're not doing them a favor if you keep them within the business you don't give them that feedback and then they're not then moving on to what they should be doing so yeah. that was that was difficult that was difficult and you got to admit that you got it wrong as well right you hired the wrong person so yeah. but that, that happens in like a fight all the ego, right <laughs> mad that's yeah. crazy yeah i could imagine how how how, how that would feel and it, it takes me back to you know when people want to get promoted faster than they're ready for so yeah i've spoken to a few senior people that have said that um they've had to turn people down from like promotions and a lot of those people would get upset and yeah what you said makes me think about that because mm. at the same time you're right some people are just not ready for a certain role you don't want to set yourself up for failures and i feel like a in this modern day we're not as patient as the previous generation mm. we kind of want things very very quickly we want to be ceo yeah three years of course four years. Yeah, how tough that is yeah yeah <laughs> but, but have you done that as well because I'm, I'm i have like you know you're ambitious you yeah. Yeah, wanna, you're hungry in, of right course I have. yeah yeah of course i have but I've all, i'm all also reflective and i also learn right mm. and i also humble decide to humble myself if i'm around i'm observant right so I've, mm. you know yes okay i want to get up to a certain level but then when i sit in a room with people at a certain mm. level i'm like okay am i actually ready mm. do i think like how they think do i have the drive in the sense that they do do i navigate the space that the way that they do mm. right and um that's what you have to you have to be honest with yourself and actually yeah. mark yourself against that right because that's what you're competing against because when mm. you get to that level it's a competition it's going to be like okay well, now you're at this level at all. Well, that person's also at this level. How are you performing, right? And if that yeah. person's been doing it for years, it's mm. like a piece of cake for them versus you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, right? 100%. So, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's crazy. Okay. Love to love to hear that you've, you know, that was something. And I'm sure that you've learned from, from, from that as well. Every day. Um, I guess 
now that you've been an entrepreneur for a few years, I guess, how, how are you feeling about it? And I guess, how are you managing the stress of it if you find it stressful at all? Yeah, running a business is definitely stressful. Yeah, that's not easy. But for me, it goes back to what I said before, like, because we're having a positive impact, I try to always remember that. And that's what keeps me going. You know, like if it was just about money, I think, I don't know, I don't think I would have given up, but it would be a lot harder to motivate myself to keep going. So um, the stress is, is definitely a challenge. But I think once you hire a good team, you share in that pressure, you share in that stress. And then for me, the other thing I do is I'll go to Latin America and I'll sit on the beach. So <laughs> <laughs> that helps as well. Uh, that helps as well. Even little things like, um, you know, if I'm in, uh, let's say, Colombia and um, by 12 o'clock in the, you know, 12 in the afternoon, it will be 6 p.m. UK time. So I won't have any more emails, which means for those until I stop working at whatever time, five, six, whatever, there's no, there's no, I'm not getting distracted by things and I can focus on things. So even little things like that, I think helped, uh, I think relax me. And that's one of the big benefits of, I think, remote work. Obviously you've got to pick a time zone where you can have those meetings in the morning. I'm, yeah. I'm a morning person. So I get up like stupidly early and then have those uh, meetings, those conversations. And then in the afternoon, it's nice to be able to, be somewhere warm and sunny and relaxed and, uh, you know, have that vibe to chill out. That's that's my therapy, I think. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. What, what's the lifestyle like out in South America? Is it Colombia, Colombia that you're kind of... Mostly, mostly living Colombia, right Mexico City as well. Mexico yeah, City, okay. so I like... Are you I going like, back to Mexico City or Colombia? I'm going to be going to Medellin pretty soon. Okay. Yeah, cool. so I love Medellin, I love Mexico yeah. City. My brother lives in Mexico City pretty yeah. much, so that's one of the big draws there. And... Um, yeah, I mean, I just feel really at home there. You've got a nice mix of, there's a big African influence in, in Colombia. So um, you walk around and you, you don't stand out. There's places I'll travel. I love traveling. So there's places I've traveled to where, you know, people will be staring at you as, when you're crossing the street or, or whatever. And with Colombia, it's not like that because it's so diverse and mm. people just assume I'm from there, right? Like, um, you know, I'll be in the supermarket and there'll be two British people there and, I'll maybe say something in Spanish and they just think I'm Colombian and they're like uh, <laughs> they're like trying they're like speaking really yeah. slowly to me in English and I love it you know just pretend to be uh, pretend to be Latin American or something but also you, I think you just can learn from different countries like it opens up your mind a little bit yeah because people just look at things differently um, so yeah I think you get a lot from that so yeah man I love it I love it I swear by this whole uh, travel <laughs> thing and um, yeah it's a big advantage if you've got a business obviously you can you can kind of work from wherever at this point with how things are these days yeah exactly can you give us insight into what the costs are like i remember you telling me it's low cost uh -huh. compared yeah. to the uk right of course 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 what do you want to know what, all of cost? it like <laughs> mo mo the main ones the main ones are really rent um rent food travel yeah. those are the main, yeah, yeah, yeah. main costs that people have yeah right so return flight latin america it's a lot more expensive, I think, post post pandemic. I yeah. think you know it's to do with oil prices and all these things. So it could it can get a lot higher than it was back in the day when I first started doing this. It was much more like six hundred returns. Now it's more like seven eight hundred returns. But once you get over there, obviously that's where you get the advantage. So Mexico City is obviously closer geographically to America. So and it's a lot more. Um, you do have a lot. It's a lot more international than some of the other cities in South America. 
but you've got everything you need, amazing amenities. Like if you walk around Mexico City, you'll feel like you're in California. Really? You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, well, California used to be Mexico, so it kind of makes sense that there's a bit of a, like kind of a crossover there in a sense, but uh, you get that vibe when, when you're there. So that's a little bit more uh, expensive compared to some other Latin American countries, but you'd be looking at for a month, you could get a really nice apartment for, you know, 1,200, that kind of thing, one person. And that's Airbnb as well. So if you think London, you're probably pay, you're paying like two and a half for an mm -hmm. Airbnb in London, really, for a month. Mm -hmm. um, and so there it's, yeah, like less than half the price. And then Colombia is even better. Peru and Argentina are even better. You're more talking like, 700 a month 700 for a pounds. nice pounds for a month wow, for a and, whole and you, you can go lower i mean it depends yeah. as well which part of the country you could go lower uh, i've done it with like 500 as well in certain cities in latin america where it's yeah. been that's been amazing and, and like slightly smaller cities in, in colombia for like 500 and then uh medellin seven eight hundred yeah. a month uh, and then food, there's a place I go to like near my office, uh, like every day where it's like three pounds for like a full, full on lunch for like, you know, fish, you got vegetables, you got rice, fresh wow. fruit juice and a soup as well. And then if you tip three them, quid. yeah, yeah. And then if you tip them a pound on top of that or two pounds or three pounds on top of that, yeah. they're like, they treat you like, they treat me like a family now, right? So I go there, it's cash only. A couple of times I go there, I've got no cash. They're like, ah, Toby, don't worry about it. You're family now, you know, pay next month or it's whatever, crazy. you know? So it's that, it's kind of, kind of vibe. So yeah, very, very affordable. You get office for like a hundred pounds a month, mm. 120 pounds a month. So yeah, big advantage there, man. And then, you know, you invest that in your business, right? Right, that margin. Yeah, that margin that you're, that you're saving, those costs that you're saving. Yeah. Obviously, you give yourself a, a certain salary, and then your 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 standard of living costs are, aren't that high. Really right? low. That's really how I like low. it. Keep the constant costs low, yeah. and then or, or if you don't want to put in the business, or put some in the business, have the rest for enjoying yourself. Yeah. You know, you can live a more of a rich life, yeah. right? Where you go to like nicer restaurants, you go on holiday more often, or to you know have like more more enjoyable experiences like that's what's all about experiences right so you kind of mm. reinvest that that savings into just like having a great great time there and that's part of yeah. the again the mental health and the enjoyment you almost have that i think if you're in new york it's really expensive you kind of mm. like building up you got a startup you're like yeah we'll enjoy it when but if you i think have this benefit of generating revenue in the uk and then spending time abroad you get that like cost arbitrage, which is obviously really helpful for the bottom line. Yeah, I love yeah. that. I love that. What would you say are some of the cons, though? Of I guess because you're kind of like a digital nomad. Mm. What would you say are some of the cons of it? Yeah, well, I kind of wanted to slow down now in terms of travel, so it's mostly just like Mexico and Colombia rather than like Peru, Costa Rica. Because if you move around too much, it gets really tiring, right? Like if you go month to month after a while it really gets to you and, and you're going somewhere new and you're like have to figure out everything all over again like and, and you kind of miss just the little things and having your setup how you you yeah. like it but the big the bigger disadvantage and the only real one that's a big factor is like just missing friends and family and so and, and relationships as well obviously be if you're moving around too often it's hard to obviously hold down a, a really good relationship so um I think uh, the, the 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 better what most people do is they start off as a bit of a digital nomad and they almost become 
like an expat or they almost have like a second home. So they'll mm. just go between London and another country. And that allows you to build up a community in both areas. So yeah. you've now got a network in both areas. You've got family and both friends in, in both areas and that kind of thing. So that I think gets around that and like having a bit of a slower uh like rate to your movement like gets around that because that's the real downside um just like make sure you stay in touch with people and, and all that was obviously is so important but you know it's, a, it's like everything there's trade-offs to everything that's the big that's the big trade-off that's always it right there's like you said there's always a trade-off and i guess in this case the pros sound the cost of living crisis in the uk is a is a mad thing i'm sure that when you come back to london oh, like, every days. now and then you're like oh, how much is a meal deal now yeah it's like almost four pounds yeah <laughs> you've you got even the premium ones that are like what over five quid wow you know yes it's mate it's expensive you know how i always liken it like i remember kfc back in the days you used to get a big daddy meal for six pound fifty there's no way nah, you're getting nah, it nah. for near that it's almost 10 quid coming up to nando prices mm. and nando prices to be fair i think nando they, they've been quite good they're, they're consistent they've, yeah they've kept uh -huh. their costs like like low it's been yeah it's been um crazy so you mentioned a few other like types of businesses mm. but like you're, you're quite experienced now as an as an entrepreneur um i guess for those people that want to start a business today what would you say are the best types of businesses that have a high likelihood of succeeding that's difficult because it depends so much on the founder right like you got to be really intentional about the type of business you're building and well more so building the right business for you so yeah. i mean if you're a first-time founder i personally wouldn't recommend trying to do some, I say that some unicorns will do it though. Like, you know, Zuckerberg will be like, yeah, cool. I'll do the social media thing. I'll make Facebook and he get when I did that. But, you know, if you don't feel at that level, then I would think about, as I said, building an audience. The, the way, what I would do first is, is think, okay, if I'm going to do this whole entrepreneurship thing, I'm probably going to have to do it for a long time because uh, endurance is one of the biggest differentiators. That's one of the biggest, I think, indicators of your likelihood of your success. Like, how long are you willing to do this for? Because if you've been in uh, business for eight years, nine years, 10 years, the skills that you develop, it's all gonna compound, it's gonna get easier. You're gonna build up case studies, you're gonna build up testimonials, you build up a brand. So it's gonna get easier over there. That's when you build up that real leverage but you've got to be willing to do it in between. And so I'd be thinking about, I, I think a lot about content, right? I've got to think, I've got to be willing to create this type of content, whatever it's about, whether it's about sport, podcasting, careers, entrepreneurship, it's got to be something that I feel drawn to enough that I'm willing to make, you know, one LinkedIn post a day or five tweets a day or what three Instagram posts a day for however long or build a team that does that. So I'm thinking first, okay, because that's the hardest part, really. Like, ideas are a dime a dozen. It's like, how well do you operate a business? Ideas are a dime a dozen. So it's like, how well can you operate a business? How well, are you, how good are you at operating? And then how good are you at distribution, at growing a following on social media, converting yeah. that into a, a sub-community in some way? So I need to find a topic in which I feel that I could do that for a long period of time. Yeah. I've then got to have, as I said before, a strong point of difference that's different to the way other people see the world. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I've got to endure for a longer period of time. So yeah. if you're not willing to do that, if that doesn't sound like what you want to be doing, then it's probably not right for you. But if that excites you, then that's the a really good starting point. But for me, I, I, I do like newsletters. I think... Um, 
newsletters have become if you think about social media think you and this is advice to you as well because i know we've we've spoken yeah, about we this as well we argue about this yeah, yeah, yeah. uh like your instagram you don't own that zuckerberg mm. owns that yeah so you know but if you capture emails then you that's an owned audience that you have control yeah. of you're not at the mercy of the algorithm there's obviously some delivery uh you know email delivery things but um you know it's not like social media where you, you don't own that audience and so I, I like to think about newsletters because what you can have there is a constant connection with your audience. So you continue to send emails uh, to them where you provide value. That's the main thing, focusing on delivering value. And then it's very straightforward to monetize that with ads. So if you've got a niche, for example, we have a newsletter targeted at um, people who work in HR and talent acquisition. And we, we give them information, we give them insights that they could benefit from. And then there's organizations that want to advertise to that audience. So, you know, like people who have HR technology, recruitment technology, yeah, things like that, they want to advertise that audience. So they'll pay to put ads in that newsletter. And how much does it cost to, to have a newsletter? It's like 80 pounds a month or something with, with Beehive. And uh, it's become really sophisticated now with the analytics and then there's agencies out there that can go and do the selling for you so you focus on the the content and that's kind of the way i, I see things moving of like the some of the annoying things in between you can kind of outsource the real differentiator is how well you can make whatever your your product is and as i said operate it and in the case of a newsletter your your product is your is your content so i think that's a way to go and i, I would think about what, what i mentioned earlier which is We've got AI tools now to make us more efficient, mm -hmm. to make our lives easier. So I think about that, like how how can I use this to um, make myself like a you know a superhuman in a way, do things really efficiently, and then think about outsourcing and, and getting um, contractors as well from from other countries where maybe the, the cost of living is is uh, a lot lower, where you can kind of bring in talent to help you run the business. So. Yeah, those are the things I think about. Yeah, amazing, amazing, Toby. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and sharing the last two years with us and everything that you've done, everything you've achieved, you know, your challenges, you know, what you've learned. I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, how you grow again in the next mm. year and then what, what we're going to be conversating about. I guess, um, where can people find you? Mm. Yeah, good question. Yeah, they never miss an opportunity mm -hmm. to plug. So, uh, <laughs> well, we're uh, we're diverse. So, obviously, um, if you are from, uh, well, if you're a young person in the UK that's looking for opportunity to get into work, then that's what we specialize in. That's what we help with. We help, you know, you guys get roles with, with top brands. So, you can go to wearediverse.io um, and uh, sign up to our newsletter, check out opportunities, and, uh, you know, we can try and help you get hired or find me, Toby Agundapay. Um, I'm sure you put it in the description or something, but yeah. LinkedIn, maybe threads now, who knows? Maybe, yeah, maybe threads we'll be popping big, up on threads. a big but, thing now, yeah. Yeah, same, Toby Agundapay every, everywhere, basically. And I would just say as well, if anyone's keen to, I know you've got a lot of people in that your audience are probably interested in helping the black community, mm. you know, um, progress financially and helping the, like that future generation get put on. So if anyone was keen to, mentor share the wisdom like you have in the in the past mm. to help people with their finances or in business or in work or whatever it is then yeah please do reach out to me as well and i'd love to help you help them as well amazing amazing and do you have any final words for the watchers and listeners um what would i would say is final words uh, well I'll, I'll leave it with a, a bit of a quote i was reading um a quote from the ikea founder and he said that um 
that uh, failure is a privilege of the active. And he said that um, only the the idle have the luxury of not making uh, any mistakes, any having any failures um, because of their inactivity. And so I just, uh, I don't know, that really stuck with me because I think when we talk about entrepreneurship or talking about getting jobs, your career, if you're trying, you're always or trying to move forward. You're always going to have those those failures. It's going to happen. And really, with business as well, you should scale those failures. Those failures yeah. should be getting bigger as you try more things and take bigger swings. So that's advice that I'm trying to take on. So I'd leave that with anyone listening as well. And don't be deterred by it because it's all about that endurance. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I love that failure. Oh, there you go. Failure is 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 a privilege to those that are active. Are active. Yeah, oh, I yeah. love that. That's yeah, I might have just change the quote. I mean, you can quote me <laughs> instead, but um, I think it's the IKEA founder who who said it best. Ah, I love that. I love that. And the book I'm reading now is um, uh, let me just paraphrase it. It's just basically how to overcome obstacles, and it talks a lot about obstacle is the way. Yes. Something I think Ryan that's something that's it. Yeah. Are you yeah, sure you read this? Am I reading wait? Obstacles away. No, no, no. That's that? not what it's called. No, 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 no. Now I'm now I'm gonna go into yeah, my yeah. Kindle you find it, you find I'm, it. Because I'm re- currently reading. Yes, you're right. It is, it is called obstacles obstacles away. Okay. Yes, yes, uh, yeah, yes, 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 yes. I've nearly finished it. Yeah, yeah. I'm on seventy eight percent. So I'm nearly there done. You go. Yeah, All right, yeah. Cool. yeah, it's a great book, great mm, book, and it talks a lot about it talks a lot about action and how important that is um for you know in 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 your success so yeah no thank you so much again for uh you know just blessing us with your presence yeah like i said hope to see you again in a year watchers listeners i hope that you've enjoyed this episode of takeaway experience and we'll see you next week's episode save big on your memorial day barbecue all in the kroger app get half gallons of delicious kroger milk for 129 each then get flavorful tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for 249 a pound all with your card and a digital coupon Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.